Well, good morning. How are we all doing this morning? You know, uh, we had, uh, I think it was a couple years ago, we had rain like this, and there was a drip right here, just right as I was speaking, and I, I was sure nobody was listening to a word I was saying, because I kept on seeing the drips. So I'm just so thankful there's not one right here, even though we had one in the back here. Uh, thanks for coming out on a, on a rainy day like today. I want to thank uh, Tom for uh, all the work he's been doing, and there, I know many others have been working on behalf uh, of, of the place together, working on this uh, church building, but really grateful for, for that work. And um, as I think about uh, God's provision for us, um, you know, in, uh, I think it was February, uh, Kevin McLean left. He was our worship leader. And, uh, and we thought, you know, what are we going to do? Kevin was leading worship and doing all these sorts of things. And he went on to be a senior pastor at a church that needed one. And we're grateful, you know, to be able to send him. That's part of our mission. Uh, but then God provided Jason and, and, and look at all the people that were up there worshiping. And it, it really is God's provision to this church. And I know that uh, as we move forward, God will provide in other areas where we have needs and, and we trust him in that. Um, so I'm, I'm, really, I'm really thankful. Uh, if you can put October 2nd and 15th on your calendar, um, I, I know that that is a very tangible way that, um, that uh, you can help because uh, when you're at the village board meeting, they really do, that really does carry weight. And, and also, we want to be praying for those village board members, just that God will bless them, that, uh, that he'll uh, turn their hearts to him and, and, uh, and uh, give us favor also. Um, last thing I want to mention in that regard is in your bulletins, there is a uh, uh, card, and uh, some of you have already filled one of these out. It is a, um, a, a commitment card, uh, and... Uh, Ash and I filled one of these out, um, I was a year and a half ago, or whenever it was, and, uh, and put down a commitment to what we we're going to give towards this campaign on the building. And then we came back later, and we thought we'd given generously, but we came back and revised it because we thought about some other ways that we could give. And, uh, and I just want to encourage you, if you haven't filled one of these out, and God is um, you know, calling you to, or, or I just encourage you to pray about it, um, because uh, we will be building a building, um, no doubt, and we'll be in a, in a building within a little over a year, I believe. I don't know um, if we're going to have to cut some things because of the turn lane and those sorts of things. We will have a shortfall, so if, if more isn't given, we'll have to make changes to those plans. Um, so there's that, and then uh, later we'll be asking, you know, people want to give towards things that are going to go in the building. I just want to give everyone a heads up on that. It's, it's important. And also, it's not just what, um, what you give, but what you re receive in this, because this is a critical time that you can put your fingerprints on this, this. I mean, you can't always do that, but right now you can make a difference in what's actually going to take place in the next year in this community. That's, that's a huge thing. And, uh, and I've taken it to heart personally, and I just encourage, I just encourage you uh, in that way. So we're going to shift gears um, now towards uh, Christian leadership. This is another area of need we believe God will provide. And, uh, and I really made a huge mistake. That passage that was so beautifully read by Ketty was the wrong passage. Um, that was uh, second, uh, second Timothy chapter 3. We're actually going through 1 Timothy chapter 3 yet again. Uh, this is the passage that, that Terry Erickson preached this last Sunday. We're looking at it from a different angle. Uh, and so these are qualifications of an elder, and that's, that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Um, we're going to be considering uh, elders and deacons, some of the differences and, and uh, some important things with that, church governance. And then um, 
I also want to take some time, and this is the main thing this morning, we need to identify some elders here at LifeSpring. We're, doing, we're in the middle of an elder search, and I just thought, why don't we just have a working Sunday here? We can all work together and figure out, is there someone God is calling to be a future elder here at LifeSpring? And, and so uh, we'll, we'll go through that towards the end and write down uh, potential names. And if you think, well, I don't know anybody here, maybe I'm new or, or, or I just don't have anybody in mind, you're not off the hook. Uh, what we're, <laughs> we're going to do is, is also write down, these, these qualifications of an elder we're going through this morning are character qualifications. They're qualifications every Christian should be growing in. So the other thing I'd like for us to be writing down this morning is how can I, how can you personally be growing in these areas? So that's, that's sort of the roadmap to where we're heading. Now, uh, let's, uh, let's bow our heads and pray and uh, see what God does. Um, Father in heaven, there is no one who loves our souls more than you do. You created us and we're yours. We come before you as your church under that great shepherd, Jesus Christ, calling upon you to guide our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And we ask you to help us live lives of truth, lives of hope, lives of love by the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would increase our passion for you. And as we read your word this morning and meditate upon what is written there, we ask that you would clarify and encourage and convict and strengthen our faith. God, we ask you for leaders that will glorify you. We thank you for the leaders you've already given us. And we just pray that you would provide in this way. Help give us leaders that will walk with integrity of heart and care for others. And for all of us, Lord, we pray that you would help us to lead well where you've called us to lead, to follow well where you've called us to follow, and to grow in holiness and humility. You are our King. We pray these words in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to get started here, and uh, we're going to start with a mess. Um, there, there is a mess that, in regard to some of these words here in Scripture. And, uh, and so one of the great challenges uh, for us is that these words are used differently in different congregations. Um, for example, some churches have no elders. Other churches have no deacons. Some churches have deacons that act like elders. And then we ask questions like, what is a bishop? What is an overseer? What is an elder? How does a deacon relate to these things? And, and uh, it, it's pretty it's pretty easy to get confused over the course of time. Anybody else confused? There's, there's sort of a, you know, what, what does all this church uh, leadership look like? And I think, um, of course, the place we want to go to find the answer is Scripture. Now, we'll start with the word overseer. Our passage in 1 Timothy 3 begins with, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now, I'm going to share with you two Greek words. I normally don't go to the words underlying the English, but here I think it's helpful. The word for overseer is episkopos. And, uh, and you can see it up there. Episkopos uh, also becomes in English episcopal. Yes, that's the Episcopalian church. And then that word can also be translated as bishop. So overseer, episkopos, episcopal, bishop, that's all semantically, it all, that all comes from this, the same word here. Now, the other word that gets used here is the Greek, Greek word presbyteros, or presbyteros, or anybody a Greek scholar here? 
good. You know, I'm not, you don't know if I'm mispronouncing it or not. So that's good. Um, but presbyteros. Uh, this is where we get the English word presbyter from. It simply means older or elder. And so we've got uh, on one side, overseer, and the other side, elder. And, uh, and all these words that are intermingled and interrelated, and of course that's also where we get the Presbyterian church. Well, these words have become infused with specific meaning today that's more technical. But at the time of the um, New Testament, the words meant pretty much the same thing. Uh, if you were talking about an overseer or an elder, they were used um, uh, for, to, to mean the same, the same thing. So um, how do we know that they refer to the same office? How do, the, how do we know we're talking about the same group of people? And here's where we go to scripture. We say, um, well, in uh, 1 Timothy 3, um, we have whoever aspires to be an, an overseer, the word overseer desires a noble task. But if we go on to 1 Timothy 5.17, Paul wrote, the elders who direct the affair of the church are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching the teaching. Now, again, if we move on to the book of Titus, another pastoral epistle, these, are, these three, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus are pastoral epistles. Um, we have similar usage in the word. Uh, so first, or Titus uh, 1, 6 through 7, an elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless and so forth. So these words are used synonymously in the New Testament. Um, and I want to reiterate that um, these words in other churches may mean different things. Over the course of time, they've, you know, of, of course, if we're going to go to the Roman Catholic Church or Episcopalian Church, or there are bishops and archbishops, there, there's a whole structure that's there. Uh, the Presbyterian Church, there, there are presbyters, there are, you know, there, there are all these things that have developed over time. But two things. One, we, we stand on good ground when we say that these words can mean the same thing. And two, uh, also very important, this is how we use them here at LifeSpring, at this local church. I believe God gives us some, um, some creativity, some choices when it comes to church governance. And we have chosen to, uh, to use these words as they've been used in the New Testament to mean the same thing. So uh, when, we refer, when I refer to elder, I also mean overseer. And, uh, and, and so forth. Uh, we're not gonna bring out bishops now, um, but uh, we'll, ju we'll just stick with elders. So uh, in, uh, what does an elder do? So we've talked about uh, you know, what, what the, how these titles all work together. When, hopefully I brought more clarity than confusion there. Uh, but what does an elder actually do? And uh, we started this, uh, this um, series out with um, Peter, 1 Peter 5, where he says in 1 Peter 5, 2, be shepherds of God's flock under their care, watching over them. Um, so an elder is to shepherd God's flock. Now you might say, well, how do I shepherd God's flock? Uh, we are not an agrarian society, and I don't know, has anybody ever kept a sheep or a goat or anything like that? Might just got, oh, we got a couple of them. All right, that's, that's cool. I actually was in the part of the 4-H club, so I had both sheep and goats, and goats are smarter than sheep, just want you to know. Um, so shepherding God's flock, what does that mean? Well, if we go to John 10, Jesus compared um, shepherding to... Um, 
a good way of shepherding to a false way of shepherding. And he gives an example of the gatekeeper that tends the sheep. The sheep listen to his voice because they know it, and the gatekeeper knows his sheep and they follow him. There's a relationship between the sheep and the one watching over the sheep. And in John 10, 14, Jesus tells them, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I lay my life down for the sheep. In the same way, elders are to be under shepherds of Jesus, and they need to know their sheep. So the first thing we might say under shepherding is that elders need to know their sheep. Secondly, in 1 Timothy um, 3, 4, one of the requirements of an elder is to manage his household well. Now, there's a lot that goes into that, but uh, the reason for this is because the elder is to be entrusted with the management of God's household, which is the church. And likewise, in Titus 1.5, so that's, that's 1 Timothy 3.5 that I just mentioned. Titus 1.5, Paul explains to Titus, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I have directed you. Um, so the elder is to bring oversight and leadership to the church, order to the church, just as a good parent will help to bring order to a family. There to act in that sort of role. So there's a, there's a leadership piece to being an elder. So elders are to lead the sheep. They're to know the sheep. They're to lead the sheep. In 1 Timothy 5.17, elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Elders are to preach and teach. This connects with the requirement in 1 Timothy 3.2 that elders are to be able to teach. Um, this doesn't necessarily mean on a Sunday morning. It doesn't mean that they'll necessarily be up here, but they're, they're to be able to teach well in different contexts. They should be able to do that in, their, in whatever household God's given them. And incidentally, um, this is not necessarily a married person. It could be a person who um, is their, their group of people, whoever they're influencing, living with, whatever, that they're influencing them well for the good. So elders are to know their sheep, they're to lead their sheep, they're to feed their sheep. And then 1 Timothy um, began with Paul warning Timothy about false teachers and false teaching. Uh, years before this, Paul had warned in Acts 20, 28, keep watch over yourself and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave savage wolves, will come in and among you and not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. And this connects with John 10, where Jesus said that he protects the sheep from the wolves. And so another function of the elder is to protect the sheep. There is a protection aspect to the elder role. So um, we just dumped a whole lot of information here. Uh, just to kind of reiterate, the office of elder, overseer, de or not deacon, deacon's a separate thing, but all those other terms uh, are synonymous. This is the same group of people. And secondly, uh, we have the list uh, up here in front of you, and I encourage you to uh, write these down or memorize them, whatever you do. Uh, know, lead, feed, and protect. Elders are to be shepherds. 
are they doing this? And this is, a, this is an exercise we're doing here together. I'm gonna to ask you to put, be thinking about yourself, be thinking about writing names down. Um, so um, whatever you need to do to pre prepare yourself to do that. Um, do these shepherds know, lead, feed, and protect? Now, um, one of the questions we have is, how does a person know if they are called to be an elder? And uh, here I like to lean on the words of John Stott, uh, an old saint, he's since passed away, but uh, he said there are three essentials, um, the call of God, the inner aspiration and conviction of the individual concerned, and the conscientious screening by the church as to whether they meet the requirements, the apostle now goes on to list. This is First Timothy 3 in a nutshell, that <clears throat> there is a, the call of God. Now, we can't see the call of God, but a person themselves might feel the call of God. And the, um, <clears throat> the church itself will determine whether there is, um, uh, whether these requirements are being met and whether God is uh, calling a particular individual. So it's the person themselves and it's the church that helps to determine the call of God. Um, God's calling on a person life, person's life is confirmed by their aspiration and conviction. Uh, we see in 1 Timothy 3, 1, that a person's desire to become an elder is a good thing. And it's confirmed by the conscientious screening of the church. Now, I, I, want, to, um, I want to just help us know uh, one other thing about elders, and it's this. Um, there's a technical use of the term elder, and that's what we're looking at uh, primarily right now. And here's a kind-hearted person. Thank you. <laughs> there's a technical use of the term elder, and that's what we're looking for for this church, someone who will fulfill the office of an elder. Uh, we've talked a couple Sundays ago about um, this being a male leadership role, whereas other leadership roles, all other male or other leadership roles, uh, are um, both male and female. Uh, and you can listen to that um, message if you want to. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on that this morning. Um, but I do want to say this. Eldership roles are available to uh, many people in an unofficial capacity, and they're taking place all the time. And what I mean by that is if we look in Scripture, the word presbyteros shows up many times in a non-technical sense uh, in terms of how are we, as a more mature believer, speaking into the lives of a less mature believer? Now, uh, I'd like to say sometimes we can grow, either uh, we can just grow older or we can grow older and wiser. And, uh, and some people, some of us just grow old. I wanna grow older and wiser. And as I grow older and wiser, I wanna speak into the lives of other people that are behind me. I'm, I may not be uh, wise enough, but maybe I can help someone else along their path a little bit as they're behind me. And, uh, and I think that that's the case, even if a person, uh, now Timothy was a younger sort of person. Paul said, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. And, uh, and then in Titus, uh, Paul said, you know, older women, um, you need to live respectable lives and help the younger women. And this is probably the most common usage for any of us um, to use the word presbyteros 
is that God is calling us to live holy lives, lives of character, so we can speak into the lives of others. And as we're going to be going through um, these characteristics later, that's one of the things that should be on our hearts and minds is uh, perhaps, who do I need to speak into my life as a, as a person who's further along the road, and who can I speak into on, on their lives? All right, so um, what about deacons? Um, the word diakonos, translated deacon, um, means servant or someone who ministers to the needs of others. Um, in this broad sense, elders might also be called deacons because they serve within the church. So uh, the words elder and uh, deacon, so deacon also means servant, those words are not new. The church uh, used them, appropriated them for their means and infused them with a more specific meaning. So the word uh, deacon shows up again and again. For example, in Matthew 20, 26, Jesus tells his disciples, whoever wants to be great must be a servant, a deacon. Uh, when Paul rebukes the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3, 5, he tells them, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants, diakonos, through which you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. Now in Acts 6, the word became more specific. Um, so this word gets used, servants. We should all be servant leaders as Christians. Um, at the time, in Acts 6, the church was growing rapidly. Thousands of people were coming to Christ. Now, we might think, well, that, that's awesome. That's fantastic. You know, in this church, when we, grow, when we move to our new location, maybe God will add to our numbers. Can you imagine if God added to our numbers and we weren't prepared for the, with the structure of the church in place to handle that? At first, we'd be really excited. I think our next feeling would be like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do next? And so um, in Acts 6, the... the uh, the apostles, the elders, they, they got together and they said, we're not able to continue this ministry, the word, and care for the physical needs of the people. And so they gathered other disciples, talk about this problem, and this is their solution in Acts 6, 3 through 4. Uh, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and to ministry of the word. And so they brought on deacons to help the elders. The deacons were originally brought on to help the elders, and specifically in the distribution of food to widows. That was the specific, very specific need at that time. I would probably venture to guess that the need for us to have deacons that distribute food to widows is pretty low right now. We have a different context in mind. But it became apparent uh, very soon that deacons were doing more than distributing food to widows. So in Acts chapter 7, the whole chapter is given over to Stephen, one of the deacons, who gave his testimony, shared his faith, and taught, by the way, um, the uh, Jewish leaders uh, for which they killed him. Um, but he was a deacon. And he did all those things in his deacon capacity. And then in the very next chapter, chapter Acts chapter 8, we have Philip, 
a deacon who goes and evangelizes, shares his faith in Samaria, and all the Samaritans come to Christ, and then the elders, apostles come and, and, and help in the work. I think that the point is, deacons didn't just simply meet the physical needs of the widows, they did far more than that. They helped the elders and overseers in the church in many ways. And I believe uh, that um, John Stott, Gene Getz, and others might have a, a more biblical and holistic view that deacons are qualified men and women who are to assist the elders and overseers in their pastoral ministries. Now, um, as we consider deacons and what they do, uh, it seems that the qualifications are actually more clear than their role uh, in Scripture. Uh, the word deacon only, gets, only shows up about five times uh, translated as deacon in English. The word diacono shows up many times. But as it's translated into English, it shows up five times. And uh, the times that are not in our passage now with qualifications are in um, Philippians, the beginning of Philippians, where uh, Paul writes to the elders and deacons, and the other time at the end of Romans, uh, depending upon your translation, Romans uh, 16.1, where uh, Paul speaks of Phoebe, a deaconess. What is clear is that deacons help elders in a servant leader capacity and that they must meet the qualifications set aside in 1 Timothy 3. So for our purposes, for Life Spring Community Church, like, why is he, why is he even talking about this stuff? Um, so let, let's get down to brass tacks here. For our purposes here at Life Spring Community Church, I want to consider folks that are in a leadership capacity, men and women, um, whether they're called deacons or not, I think that they should meet the requirements of a deacon or deaconess in 1 Timothy 3 and the other pastoral um, passages. They, they need to be people of character, bottom line. And, uh, and those other passages help us to understand what kind of character uh, leaders in the church ought to be. So now, uh, I know you're excited, it's time to talk about church governance. Anybody excited here? I actually haven't seen any yawns here yet, and uh, this is uh, probably the most, not the most lively material. It's super important, though, that we understand uh, about this, and, and uh, I'll tell you why. Um, there are four different kinds of church governance. Uh, we talked a little bit about these underlying words, but there's Episcopal, and think uh, Episcopalian, Roman Catholic, uh, a church that has more of a hierarchy. Uh, the underlying word is overseer. Uh, Presbyterian. Uh, presbyter. So that would be a church that ha is more elder-led, uh, more of a local church uh, autonomy. Um, and then uh, there's congregational, where the congregation gets to vote, but the elders lead. And then the fine one, uh, final one is sort of a non-governance model. And the non-governance uh, is more like a house church that may not have a formalized structure or something like that. Out of those four, just to see if you're awake, which one are we? Nice and loud. I can't hear you guys. Congregational, yeah, which means we vote. And honestly, I don't know that congregationalism uh, and uh, the, uh, our denomination may not agree with me. I don't know that it's any more uh, biblical than um, one of the other models. Uh, I believe that probably Presbyterian and, and congregationalism probably have a little more warrant than Episcopalian, but that's my, um, my belief and preference. Um, but what I would say about congregationalism is it is the model we have. 
And as such, it's the model we need to embrace. And what that means is everybody in, hashtag everyone in. And everyone in means that we need to become members of this church in order to vote. Uh, if you do not become a member of the church and you don't vote, then um, we, we can't choose good leaders to lead the church with this particular church model. And so it's super important. There's a membership class come up in October. If you're not a member, I encourage you to go through that and become a member of the church. Now, uh, another thing that's important is that you actually show up in a congregational church. Uh, we can't have a bunch of members that are on the rolls and they don't, uh, and if, if you don't show up and we try to get together and vote on something, we don't hit critical mass and we can't vote on anything. We can't make any decisions in a congregational church. So the members actually have to show up. The members have to give. The members have to grow. Uh, it's, there are some, some really good things about it because it really puts a lot of the weight back on each and every one of us in a congregational uh, sort of model. We have got to be people of faith. What if, what if I am a spiritual idiot and I'm voting on, for a, a leader in the church? That's not good in a congregational model, and it happens. Um, so what we need is we need to grow in Christ personally. We need to be committed to that. We need to be committed to being part of this church family. And a church family that has people that won't wash dishes, or they won't mow the lawn, or they won't do the bills, or they won't do whatever it is, they won't give financially towards the, the entity, that household becomes a real drag on the ones who are doing everything. Uh, in a congregational model, it's super important that everybody is involved. We've got to do it. And I know uh, that I personally have become more and more committed to giving towards the church. I have given till I bled, but I didn't start out that way, and I didn't see things that way originally. And I can remember a day when I, I didn't give of my time. I didn't give of my money. I just thought if I came to the church, the church would be blessed. And, uh, and you know, that, that's not a bad place to start, but it's not a good place to stay. And uh, so I just encourage all of us to be growing, not only as individuals, but together as a local body. So we are congregational, for better or for worse. And, uh, and I just encourage all of us to work together towards that. Um, now, in a congregational model, uh, we have elder governance. So there are a few elders that uh, will be uh, making some decisions and, and uh, leading the congregation, um, but there are going to be many leaders. And many people, and I, I think I, I spilled the beans a couple Sundays ago, and I, I do, if, 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 uh, if the, the uh, female leadership is a big deal to you, I do encourage you to, to listen to that message. But I'm more of an egalitarian sort of person by heart I, I believe that we should, uh, if, if it, Scripture didn't say otherwise, I would probably say, hey, men and women elders, but I don't read it that way. I read that the, the eldership and, the, uh, and certain teaching um, parts are reserved for men. However, um, I think that um, the vast majority of leadership is men and women working together for the uh, sake of the church, and that's the area I'd really like to see grow here at LifeSpring. And I'd like to see more people acting as ministry leaders. I like to see more people acting um, 
in informal discipleship roles, in uh, leading groups, in helping out with the children. And th th these are all things that are super important to us for our, our church governance. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, uh, Paul writes, just as a body, uh, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized in one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews, Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason stop being part of the body. And the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And as, as we go through all of Paul's letters, we find out, you know, we each have different roles to play in the context of the church. One of the things that can happen if you're an ear and you see an eye is you think, you can't hear anything. And you might be right, but you're blind. And that's, that's the problem with the church sometimes, is we see somebody, we think, man, they're failing in this huge major area, but we don't see our own blind spot. And one of the things, one of the tasks before us is that we really, really need to love one another. All right, so now we've come to the time where I need you to take out your papers here. The, uh, the one that says, um, Recommendation, reaffirmation here. This, this one right here. Everybody have it? Uh, you should have gotten one when you came in. And what we're going to do now is uh, it, it, it talks about our polity a little bit. Uh, are there men at LifeSpring Community Church who are doing the work of an elder who you nominate to consideration for office or elder? Here's a current list of our elders. They need to be reaffirmed. If they're not reaffirmed, they don't continue. Um, and then if you have comments, questions, you want some follow-up, um, what I need you to do is write your name on this paper uh, before you forget, um, and whether you're a member or not, um, this will help us because we'll be doing follow-up phone calls, and if you put down your information here, then we know we don't need to contact you unless you specifically ask for it. And then um, you can write down names whenever you're ready, uh, we'll be handing these in at the very end. Uh, you can hand them to, to Jill in the back. Or, um, is that how that works, Jill? Where's Jill? Yes? Okay, so Jill back there. Um, she'll be taking these uh, as you um, head out. And what I want to do um, for the uh, just a, a couple minutes is walk through that second page of qualifications of an uh, overseer elder. This is from 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. Now, um, I'm not going to um, spend a ton of time on this uh, because uh, Terry covered all of this last Sunday, but I do want to refresh us really quick because we are uh, in the act of, of doing um, a, a selection here or praying over a selection. And, and incidentally, if you write a few things now and you're not quite uh, done with it or whatever, you can still hand it in and, and send us a, an email later um, or, or take this home and give it back. I know that most of you, if you think you're going to take it home and give it back, you won't. So uh, please, you know, if, you're, if it's a choice between those two, we'd rather have you hand it in and give us an update. Um, all right, let's walk through this really quick. Above reproach is one of the, uh, the items on the list. Uh, and um, the above reproach, uh, I, uh, Stott says, uh, if, if that meant faultless, no 
child of Adam would ever qualify, um, but it doesn't. It, it actually means someone who is uh, living their life in such a way that, uh, that they're not going to have a, an obvious way that they're reproved. Um, and I believe several of the other qualifications fall under this major category of above reproach. So someone who's above reproach should be faithful to his wife. And if you're thinking about that for yourself, could be faithful to your husband. In a faithful relationship, uh, the literal words are as a, a one-woman man. Uh, I think on one-woman man, uh, that would include pornography and things that, um, that, that you may be battling with. If it's a battle um, and, uh, and you seem to be you know, engaged in it and winning, I mean, th those are things to, 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 uh, to work through. But if it's not a battle, if you're addicted to pornography or, or you have some kind of relationship that, uh, that is not um, honoring to God, then that would, that would be uh, something that you would need to pray about God working in your heart um, and, um, and would actually be a disqualification towards eldership. Um, temperate. I'm going to throw these three words in together. Temperate, self-controlled, and respectable. Um, probably together equating a sober thoughtfulness and self-discipline. Um, do you, does the person in your mind uh, as an elder, have a sober thoughtfulness with self-discipline? Are they intentional, disciplined, a thoughtful leader, proven themselves in management of their own household and whatever their context they're in? Um, the, the word respectable shows up again. Hospitable. You know, hospitable is welcoming somebody not only into your home uh, or the church, but into your own uh, life. Are, are they hospitable? Are they welcoming people in? Are they a lover of people? Um, able to teach, uh, we mentioned, but uh, could also be rendered skillful at teaching. And um, incidentally, for the deacon side of this, um, that they, uh, deacons don't get away from this, are they committed to the deep truths of Scripture? Um, so a good question might be, has the potential elder taught well in their home or another context, uh, not necessarily up front on a Sunday morning. Uh, not given to drunkenness. It's okay to drink. It's not okay to go around being drunken and for that to be a lifestyle. Uh, it's literally uh, not a wino. No winos for elders. Um, they should uh, not be lovers of money. They shouldn't be greedy. That shouldn't be the first thing on their list. They should be generous instead. They should be more of a giver than a taker. Um, and incidentally, in both of these, we see an abuse of a good thing God's given us. In one case, um, wine, whatever you think of that. Uh, another case, um, finances or money. Those are meant for different uses than drunkenness or greediness. Um, not violent, and, uh, and later not quarrelsome. And I might just, um, one of the tran potential translations here is not a bully. Um, if, if you went to this potential elder um, how would they resolve conflict? Would it be in a good way? Think about that. How do you resolve conflict? How uh, would this potential elder resolve conflict? Um, with firmness, but uh, also with gentleness. There needs to be a firmness and gentleness involved in that. Uh, managing their own household well, uh, children under obedience, under control, um, 
We'd, I think um, two things that we need to uh, pay attention to here. This doesn't preclude someone who's not married, just saying if someone's married, they should be doing this, and if someone's not married, they should be acting in this way. They should be managing other aspects of their personal life well in order to be managing in God's household well. And then um, children under control, you know, children leave the home and they do what they do once they become adults. Um, they're no longer in the home. Um, but the parent should have done everything they could uh, so that those children could grow in Christ, be well-adjusted adults, and if the children are still in the home, that's what they should be doing. Um, not a recent convert. I was really struck by this under the deacon section. Um, it's a huge warning to those in leadership not to put someone that's too young in their faith in a leadership position because what that can do is it can uh, lend to pride, which can actually damage that person. And then final one, good reputation with outsiders. Um, I love this from Proverbs 22.1, and it's something I think about often. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. This can go a bad way. We can you know, try to make people all, all think that we're the best and whatever. But I think if, if we're thinking of it properly, that, um, that we're more concerned about our own personal integrity, about how we act when nobody's watching, about our character, um, than we are about anything else we can receive that will be in a very good place. So that's the list. Now, what I'd like you to do um, is to finish filling out that front form, and, you, and I'm not going to give you a lot of time right now, but, uh, but at, towards the end uh, of the service, um, you can hand that in. And if you need a little time at the very end, just, you know, if you can just take a minute or two, write down whatever you want to write down, hand it in. If you'd like to talk more about it, I'd love to talk to you about it. Um, but, uh, but I think uh, in this way, we can work together as a family. And then we should end with this. Um, Leaders, whether they're elders, deacons, ministry leaders, uh, informal relationships, uh, leaders of households, um, we are under shepherds under Jesus Christ. All of us have been given a charge as Christians to be humble, to be holy, to be quick to forgive, to be slow to speak, be quick to listen, to be growing in areas of character. And we should really take this to heart because that's the one we follow, is Christ. And what we want is our care to be, to be more like his. May you please bow your heads with me. Um, Father, uh, as uh, we've gone over a lot of information now, I, I pray that be helpful and, and bear fruit in our lives as, uh, as we uh, seek to follow you. Um, I pray that you give us godly leaders in this church. Uh, God, I pray that you would increase the godliness of our leadership in our own households that you would strengthen the inner man and woman of each of us, um, that you would help us um, to love you, Lord. Um, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would just really speak to us now as we, uh, as we seek uh, elders at LifeSpring. In Jesus' name, amen.